turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Your show here on out. Anything on your mind? Happy to talk to you about it. We're going to have some fun, too. But first, I said something a little provocative as I went to the top of the hour there. You know, forget for a moment, not because I disagree with it, but because of perhaps bigger problems than we think we have about making America great again. Maybe, Maybe we need to start thinking about making America America again. Uh, it seems to me, and Donald Trump, President Donald Trump was great in creating a 1776 commission so that we could study our founding and understand it better. I think that's all to the good, all important, all crucial. It's sad. It's sad, the idea that you need a 1776 commission. The idea that you need it reminds me of what Harry Jaffa once said, that um, – In 1776, we were nothing, promising to become everything. Having become everything, we now are promising to become nothing um, because of the way we view the very thing of of 1776, the very date, the very year, the very meaning of it. Um, Anyway, uh, Issues and Insights had a, I think, equally provocative, if not more provocative, but hard to argue with editorial uh, yesterday <clears throat> yesterday this is not America what is the United States of America a society of elitists versus the rest a culture that's given up on itself a land of censorship a nation in which policies and orientation are not merely matters of disagreement but causes of internal and irreconcilable turmoil it was supposed to be none of these but today it seems a foreign place with more in common with the many dystopias of literature than anything the founders of a free nation could have imagined. Take a single quick scan through the blogs and aggregators of the Internet. It makes you wonder who and where we are as a nation. Many of those who hold political, economic, and cultural power favor the system of China, where a single-party autocracy who lived Privileged lives, plan and execute, a top-down national plan the entire country is expected to follow without objection. At the same time, this class believes it is its job to oversee the decline of America. Voter fraud has become normalized rather than confined to simply big cities and small numbers. Voter Voters have put prosecutors who refuse to prosecute into office all over the country. It seems to be at least one prosecutor's objective to foul our community so completely that we'll eventually be begging for tyrants to save us. The Constitution is being tread upon by 
sort of tyrants will be asking for in the name of keeping us healthy. Health tyrants. All the while, by the way, creating new definitions of what healthy is and healthy means and eliminating other definitions. I'll return to that point. Voters have put a team in the White House that will be beholden not to the country and constitution it swears to protect, but to the biggest players and payers like China, which gets us to the Hunter Biden story I will return to in a moment as well. Most of both the media and academia have been naked propagandists for one party rather than objective dispensers of news and even-handed educators. Corporate America is becoming increasingly captured by woke forces and climate zealots, which make life harder on the middle and lower classes. Identity politics and social justice are splitting the nation into warring tribes. Our freedoms to speak and worship freely are being diminished daily. Descent from hard left, hard left orthodoxy is punished by job loss, ostracization, and occasional violence. Rioters, looters, domestic terrorists are being coddled and even encouraged by the media, academia, and rotten to the core politicians. Pappy Cannon put it this way, we are two nations, two people seemingly separated indefinitely. Can a nation so divided as ours racially, ideologically, religiously still do great things together, as did America once upon a time to the amazement of the world? Well, you know the Abraham Lincoln line. A house divided against itself cannot stand. What's interesting is what the two sides of the house are. One might look at something much like what I'm about to describe. The notion that crime should be prosecuted. The notion that free speech should be defended and not just free speech because it's popular but free speech that questions convention and might even be unpopular. The notion that the Constitution does matter, that what it does say matters. The notion that every human being should be treated equally, regardless of race, religion, or country of national origin. Those just three things themselves, not so long ago, would have been agreed upon by almost everyone. Almost everyone. Now, you would have interest groups that would want to quibble here and there. The ACLU might raise its hand and say, when you say crime should be prosecuted, sure, but with constitutional protections, yes, that's why we have point three. The Constitution matters, the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments particularly. But you show me how those played out when it came to prosecuting Republicans over the past three or four years versus how it played out in prosecuting Democrats. What about the notion that the FBI should not be involved in domestic politics? My Gosh, that would have been a slam dunk 15 years ago. What about the notion that taking payoffs and payouts from foreign countries who are our adversaries has a word for it 
especially when the payoffs and payouts are to people or families in power. You know what that word used to be agreed upon by all? Bribery. Bribery. One side still takes it seriously. One side does not. You saw what was revealed even just today. Let me read to you from the Federalist vis-a-vis Hunter Biden. There are at least three active federal investigations underway by the Justice Department centering in on the Biden family, including probes in Delaware and New York targeting Hunter Biden and one in Pennsylvania revealed by Politico where prosecutors are reviewing hospital deals involving Joe Biden's brother, James. It's not just the son of Joe Biden. It's his brother. Not just the son, the brother. And we have evidence, evidence backed up by a man who's shown his face and given his name to say they were also talking about funneling money up to the big guy. Who could the big guy be? You think Joe Biden's brother is the big guy? No, he's already named elsewhere anyway. Now get this, on Wednesday, today Fox News also published new correspondence showing Hunter Biden requesting $10 million from Chinese business partners to fund a joint Biden venture. Hunter signed off his message with, quote, best wishes from the entire Biden family, close quote. What could that po- Do you think they really wanted best wishes from James Biden or Dr. Jill? Maybe they wanted to hear good things from good tidings from Dr. Jill Biden. Remind me to talk about Jill Biden's dissertation, Bill, would you mind? The timeline of the letters reported by Fox dated for the summer of 2017 mean the deal and the process of being negotiated likely matched the transaction outlined in the emails published by the New York Post, where Hunter Biden was offered a $10 million annual contract for introductions alone, a portion of which would be set aside for, quote unquote, the big guy funneled through Hunter. We used to care about things like that. How do I know? I look at what was said about Don Trump Jr. 24 plus million hits if you search the term Trump Tower meeting. A meeting Donald Trump Jr. had for 20 minutes with someone from Russia where nothing was done because he thought it was useless talking to this person about what was known as the Mag- or is known as the Magnitsky Act having to do with adoptions. 24 million stories on Google about it. 20 minute meeting. 2016. More in a moment. 6025080960. An irony of life just struck me in a conversation with someone I know who's planning or working on planning dinner. I suggested they have pizza. Pizza is one of these things that even when you say it, it just sounds good. Saying it is actually, it it makes you want it, doesn't it? Pizza. And we all have in our mind's eye the, the notion of what that pizza will be or taste like, right? They said they couldn't have it. They had it last night for dinner. 
Well, I suggested how about new toppings, different toppings. I mean, after all, it's basically bread with toppings, isn't it? Heat it up. And then it dawned on me, why do we think we have to have something, but we all think it, different every night for dinner when we have the same thing, a lot of people have the same thing for breakfast every single day, don't they? In- indeed, even the same cereal. Some people just eat the same cereal every single day or the same order of breakfast or the regular, the usual at the diner on their way to work. Don't they all? Why Why can you have the same thing for breakfast every day but not dinner? What about lunch? You don't have the same lunch every day. Sandwiches with different fillings, like pizza with different toppings. Barry Goldwater, I read in one of his biographies, he ate the same thing every day for lunch when he was in Washington. Sounds like a pretty good lunch. I don't know how he stayed so fit. What is that lunch he had every day, Seth? Bill asks me. A cheeseburger and a chocolate shake. That does sound good. That does sound good. All right. Can I talk about this Dr. Jill Biden thing for a second? We went into it a lot on Monday. But I was having a hard time. I actually I wanted to read her dissertation. I wanted to read the dissertation that she wrote that got her her EDD, her doctorate in education. And it was hard to find. Although I did find this. So good was it that it had been cited. Cited by four other people. Papers. By four other documents. Do you know how miserable (laughs) that would be? If that were said of anyone else in the world? Yeah, it's been cited four times. Oh my gosh. You you, you You wouldn't even bring it up. You wouldn't even bring it up. I mean, that is one in academia. That That is one mark of how good something is, how impactful something is. Impact. It's actually called impact by how frequently it's referred to or cited for four other professional sites from a 2006 dissertation. So it's been out there, you know, a good while. The folks at Red State did find it and published it, and I read it. And the folks at Red State editorialized on it this way. Keep in mind, this is writing from a 55-year-old in 2006, okay? This is not some 27- or 8- or 9-year-old writing. They say, not trying to be nasty or partisan, but the writing is awful. She could have used a copy editor to deal with a lot of the sentences and problems. So here are a few samples. First, there was this gem in the second sentence. Quote, the needs of the student population are often undeserved resulting in a student dropout rate of almost one-third, close quote. Were their needs undeserved, or did she mean underserved, as we suspect? Then there were some other fun ones. Quote, three-quarters of the class will be Caucasian, one-quarter of the class will be African-American, one seat will hold a Latino, and the remaining seats will be filled with students of Asian descent or non-resident aliens. How many quarters does that get you, Dr. Biden? Um, admission to the college is open to all Delaware residents who have a high school education or its equivalent or to anyone who is 18 years of age or older and able to benefit from their instruction. That's a big or. I want that again. Admission to the college is open to all Delaware residents who have a high school education or its equivalent or to anyone who is 18 years of age 
or older and able to benefit from instruction. This was her actually quoting someone else in the paper. By 1963, public and private two-year headcount enrollment stood at 850,361. By 1980, enrollment had grown to 4,526,000, approximately a 230% increase in student attendance. Um, Bill, you know the math. That would be very approximately, wouldn't it? 850,000 to... Uh, to 4.5 million. Very approximately. The unique nature of the classroom allows for a complexity of problems as well. The unique nature of the classroom allows for a complexity of problems as well. We're supposed to call this writer a doctor. But there are some passages, passages some would look at askance now. Quote, although there is strength and diversity as a classroom component, the lack of homogeneity in academic ability makes it difficult to teach to a single standard. As a result, due to the diversity of the student population, student retention is a major problem faced by the community college. Yikes. Diversity is the problem behind student retention? Anyway, I could go on and on and on. It's really just bad. It's bad. And the last, I don't know, 20 pages of it are transcripts of her interviewing people. It's not that long. Boy, if I could have written a dissertation of 100 pages, I mean, I don't even, I've never heard of a dissertation of 100 pages with 30 pages of just transcripts of my interviews with people. But as Steve Hayward said, these EDD degrees, the, 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 unspoken truth in most of academia, these EDD degrees are less than the equivalent of an MBA academically, quite frankly. You can see why. Anyway, uh, this, this, she is going to continue to be called doctor, and that's fine. I mean, it is a degree she received. I just think it's weird that it is such an obsession of hers to call her doctor that Joe Biden is so obsessed over making sure and her communications uh, 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 department is so angry about people who refuse to call her doctor. Go read the New York Times and look up how many times Ben Carson was referred to as Dr. Carson or Mr. Carson. World famous neurosurgeon. It's It's just a funny thing because it gets to this point. The media has returned to its normal programming of fluff pieces instead of hit pieces. How do I know Ariel Davidson writes this and identifies this NPR post about Pete Buttigieg, Biden's pick for transportation secretary? Ready? Ready for this? From NPR. Pete Buttigieg, President-elect Biden's pick for transportation secretary, said he has, quote, a personal love of transportation, close quote, recounting train trips on Amtrak while in college and said he proposed to his now husband, Chaston, in an airport terminal. As Ariel points out, a normal piece would have read as Pete qualified. He has a personal love of transportation, recalling fine train trips on Amtrak while in college. I've had a lot of fine train trips. I don't think I... Yeah, I've never proposed to anyone in an airport terminal, but I've spent a lot of time in airport terminals. Does that qualify me? 
It, 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 her point, her bigger point is the, the real one. The media has returned to its normal programming of fluff pieces instead of hit pieces. It wasn't journalism before. It's not journalism now. I'll tell you about James Wexler. He's the best darn real estate agent. He's so good. He really is. It's not just me saying that. He's the only realtor in Scottsdale with over 500 five-star reviews. Unheard of. 500 five-star reviews. He has a private database of homes that will soon be going on the market if you're looking forward to buying something. He has a proprietary and state-of-the-art marketing technology. If you're selling, he guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference. He'll always let you out of a contract at any time. There's no risk to you. And he can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours of you reaching out to him. That's James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. Give him a call, 480-386-0711, or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Bill, um, during the break, I wanted to pick up on uh, a, a, a conversation you and I were having yesterday. And I think it had to do with exercise. A lot of people are interested in fitness now because fitness is in the news. Gyms are in the news. Health is obviously a big issue. And you said to me something that just didn't parse. It just didn't parse at all. I said we were talking about how many push-ups we each do because there was that whole push-up contest last year. We're, yes, we won, and we're not doing it again. Yeah, we're retiring undefeated. And I've upped my game again this year on the push-ups lately, and you were duly impressed by it, which I thank you for. And I said, what are you doing these days? And you said, well, for cardio, I'm doing burpees. Stop. Burpees are not, that's not a cardio workout unless you're doing it for like 20 minutes or more. I'm not even sure you're supposed to be doing burpees, quite frankly. I'm not sure if, you, if that's even a good exercise. It sounds too crossfitty to me injury prone but you you do a lot of you you basically do crossfit type stuff things the body was not meant to do you run up and down the stairwell here at breakneck speed it's all about those short bursts yeah i don't know that it is i don't know that it is i really don't and we discovered i had thought coming in that cardio just meant something that makes you out of breath no elevated heart rate for a sustained period of time how long at least 20 minutes. That's a long time. A, is it? For me, it is. Well, you're not doing cardio. You need to get into a cardio regimen. I've almost never done cardio. I, it sounds like it. Those 100-meter sprints, I mean, it's great getting you from one studio to the next, but... Practical application. Michael Barone, who is known as the dean of uh, elections, because he's written the American Political Almanac for so many years... He had a really interesting column over at the Washington Examiner, Identity Politics and No Apologies. Important election results seem to refute the notion that Americans vote their ethnic or racial identity. Hispanic voters trended significantly toward the supposedly anti-Hispanic Donald Trump. Californians 
while voting 63 percent for Joe Biden, rejected racial quotas and preferences in a referendum by an even larger margin than they did when they first had it in the 1990s. And they were out. And that that's the that's the proposition that was put on the ballot to overturn the Civil Rights Initiative. Our side won that. Color blindness won. Opposition to racial quotas lost. It was outspent. We were outspent 19 to 1. And we won that in California this year, Proposition 16. Yet, identity politics seems to be sticking around. The New York Times reports, quote, identity-based groups continue to lobby Mr. Biden to ensure racial and gender diversity at all levels in his administration, close quote. He's facing demands for two cabinet posts for Hispanic women, for a black attorney general and for a Native American interior secretary. He's facing criticism for placing people of color in posts for which they have no apparent expertise. Xavier Becerra at Health and Human Services, for example. Susan Rice at the Domestic Policy Council. Before I go on with what Barone said, let me just say this game of looking at their races. I mean, that's only something the left does. The idea that the left is upset that a black woman is in the job for which she has no experience. Isn't that, it's not kind of the definition of racial preferences and the problem with it. I, I want to come back to this when, I, when, when we come back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Anything on your mind? Let me know. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I was just thinking about the mood Jimmy Buffett was singing about, and I was thinking about, yeah, there are times when you just don't have a lot of energy uh, or you get a slump in the afternoon or you just wake up tired from a exhausting day the, the day before or week or period in your life. Um, among the many, many reasons, that's another reason I love Balance of Nature, I mean, if you're feeling run down and don't have energy, it's probably because you're not eating enough fruits and vegetables. And Balance of Nature takes care of all of that with one daily dose. It gives you 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Great, potent, healthy stuff. I take it every single day. I think it's a miracle product. I really do. Oranges, pineapple, papaya, carrots, zucchini, spinach. All locked into vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. It's kept me healthy all year long. It really has. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. I am delighted to be taking it and promoting it. And they have a great deal. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. I like the free shipping part, you know. That's just an annoyance you don't have to deal with. Give them a call at 800 246 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code BALANCE. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. It's just a great product, really good product. Anyway, back to what um, Michael Barone was writing in the Washington Examiner about the heat Joe Biden is getting for some of his appointments or prospective appointments. 
Um, he's facing demands for two cabinet posts for Hispanic women, for a black attorney general and for a Native American interior secretary and facing criticism for putting people in, of color in posts for, for which they have no expertise. Javier Becerra at uh, Health and Human Services and Susan Rice at the Domestic Policy Council. She's a foreign policy expert. You can't go – You can't, foreign policy expertise does not give you domestic policy expertise. The other way around does work. You can be a domestic policy expert and no foreign policy. You know why? As Irving Kristol once said, foreign policy is pretty easy if you have a sense of right and wrong. That's all you have to have, a sense of right and wrong. Think about how a governor like Ronald Reagan was such a great foreign policy president. Sense of right and wrong. Think about Donald Trump, such a great foreign policy president. Sense of good and bad, good and evil. Anyway, as Barone writes, every incoming president faces vexing choices and scornful criticism, but it's an especially vexing problem for Democrats. Their party, since its creation, has been an often unwieldy coalition of outgroups with great self-appointed advocates. Their urban political bosses developed the art of balancing party tickets. The plaints and pleas of identity group advocates can sometimes seem disconnected from reality. How many Hispanic surnamed women out there are determined to renounce the Democratic Party unless Biden appoints to his cabinet not just one but two Latinas? Really? How big a deal you think that is? Will black voters really feel betrayed if this president-elect doesn't appoint a black attorney general as the last Democratic president did? Is that that important? Let me pause on the attorney general thing for a moment. I've now seen the talking point. I now call it a talking point because I've seen it said a number of times. There are these questions posed to Democratic senators because they can't pose tough questions to Joe Biden about whether a special prosecutor should be appointed to investigate the Hunter Biden situation. I think we should call it the Biden family situation since it now includes not just Hunter, but Joe Biden's brother, James. Anyway, I have now seen, at least by my count, four senators, Democratic senators, saying, well, a special prosecutor won't be necessary if Joe Biden appoints the kind of attorney general who would do a good job. Do you realize how much they're hanging on something they know nothing about? No to the special prosecutor because we expect Joe Biden to nominate a good attorney general. We have no idea who the attorney general will be under the Joe Biden administration. He has leaked no potential names. None. There was a leak, actually, about one. There was. Andrew Cuomo. But it fell apart because of something you probably haven't read a lot about because of our media. You know what it fell apart on? Sexual harassment claim against Andrew Cuomo. A sexual harassment claim. Someone who used to work for him. Doesn't get a lot of news because, you know, he saved New York from COVID. Or at least that's what he wrote us in a book. Even though New York has the highest per capita death rate in the country. And is shutting down more and more livelihoods. 300,000 people are in the restaurant industry in New York. Gone, done, and end. Uh, 
I, I want to return to this, but I, I, I always go to you, you guys first. Nancy is an anthem. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Seth. How are you? I'm fabulous. Anthem and is one of these I... neat places. You know, I, I left here in high school and I came back 10 years ago. And coming back, I drove through this place called Anthem. It just didn't exist when I left. You're right, and I'm glad other people don't know about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. This is just, we're going up the I-17. Let's put a city yeah. here, someone said. Yeah. And they exactly. did. Yeah. Okay. Even though even though I go all the way down to Arrowhead or Scottsdale to go to a exercise program at EOS, well, those are those are long established cities. I'm just saying, you know, Anthem. It's it's very popular. I have a lot of listeners in Anthem, love them all, and it just it didn't exist when I grew up. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. interesting to me. It's it's well planned, yeah. very pretty. Yeah, yeah. I love the lay of the land. Okay, there's hills and valleys. Yes. Now, Seth, hills and did, dales. Yes, you did not. Or at least I didn't hear about the push-up contest, so I'm curious. Oh yeah, we had we, it was fraught with disaster. By the way, how, it was fraught with disaster. There were two teams. Was this a year ago, <laughs> Bill? There were two teams. It was not my idea. I don't think these things are generally good ideas because. Oh, I love them. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> but okay, hold that thought for a moment. But it comes to us from one of our colleagues. It was his idea. And he said, let's do it in teams. He put together two teams. And, and we, we created a team. My side created a team. Okay. I got to take a break. Hold the thought. I can hold All it. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, I was talking with Nancy, <coughs> excuse me, in Anthem. She was asking about our push-up contest from a year ago. It's something we will not be repeating. So, Nancy, what happened was this uppity colleague of ours decided it would be a good idea to have two teams and do a push-up contest. Well, we put our team together. Um, I think I was the captain of our team. And it was me and Bill and Jeremy. We had a team. It wasn't. Oh, right. It was you and me and who? It was just Bill and me. That was it oh, on our team. Yeah, His team, the guy whose idea it was, and I knew this was fraught with all kinds of, well, it made it look like this year's election, quite frankly. He puts together a team and immediately says, but I may need alternates if so-and-so can't do it, to which I was already raising a skeptical eye. Well, why put this guy on just have put your team together. If you want an alternate, make that the second person. He switched his team members out three or four times throughout the contest. It was a revolving door we were competing <laughs> against, Nancy. It was like, you know, ballots counted at midnight or something. Bill and I yeah. stayed consistent. It was just they kept bringing in um, new recruits throughout. Yeah. Yeah. They they refreshed their team, but we won. My side won. Cheaters never win. And the reason we won is the same answer Bill Buckley gave. I told I said this the other day. Bill Buckley gave when he was asked 
how many subscribers to National Review he had. And he said, together with Reader's Digest, 1,035,000. And the reason I say that is because my producer, Bill, he carried us pretty – He car- but for Bill, we wouldn't have won. I mean, I pulled my weight, but yeah, I did 130 on the last day to get us there, but Bill did – you could well, add a zero to that. You could add a zero to that for Bill. He was a monster. Can you believe that? Exactly that that was right. our contest. We're not going to do it again. We're just not because you know we're not going to we're not going to engage in cheating. Well, you all won. I know, but we had to so call them out and shame them, them. and yeah. you know, and it, you know, to make Bill do a thousand push-ups on the last day because they keep bringing in recruits. Who failed and failed and failed. Mm-hmm. Also, I, 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 you know, so we've all moderated, but uh, we just we just work if... out normally here now. All of this was Rick Santorum's idea way back when, when Rick Santorum was guest hosting the Bill Bennett show and I was producing and co-hosting. He made us all do twenty push-ups before the show to get us energized at six in the morning. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. I don't know if it's you or the sound engineer, but thanks for the Don Williams. Oh yeah, we love Don. Well, it's all me. The music is all me. I it it, I I rule the music here like a martinet, like a martinet. Your show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back.